up. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you, God, for touching lives, for touching hearts, for touching minds, for touching bodies today. Lord, we just thank you for your word that's living and active. God, we thank you for the word of God. And, um, and, and we thank you for the freedom to gather like this together as your body and to worship together and to get into your word together and to hear from you together. And I thank you, God, for um, what you're doing here at Mountain Chapel and for what you're doing uh, through this body of believers, Lord, in Weaverville and in Trinity County and for all that's in your heart. God, I thank you that you you have dreams and plans and we get to dream with you and walk with you in those plans. And um, so, Father, we thank you for that purpose. I ask that today there would be a fresh infusion of vision, purpose, and identity in each and every life here today. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I've got a few verses today, and it's a little... We're going to see how this goes. It's going to go well. But, uh, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a very simple message. This is how I feel about the message this morning, and it's, this is often true in the kingdom. It's a very simple message, and yet it's pretty meaty when you, uh, when you get down to it. It's deep. It's deep. That's God, you know. And um, he doesn't make it complicated, but man, he is deep. He is deep and fathomless, and we're going to spend eternity having our minds blown by God. Ephesians 2.10. I'm also going to be referencing, you don't have to turn there, but if you want to jot it down, I'm going to reference 1 Peter 2.9. I'm going to put those two verses together today. Ephesians 2.10. For we are His creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time, so that we should walk in them. Powerful. Another translation says, we are his workmanship. That's probably the common way that you're used to hearing it. We are his workmanship. We are his creation. It comes from a Greek word, poema. And, uh, and it sounds a lot like poem. And it is related to this idea of a created masterpiece. Come on. You can say that. Say, I'm a masterpiece. It's a good word. Do you know when you do that, you go, oh, I can't be so prideful. No, do you, when you do that, you're, you're giving glory to God. You know? This whole idea where, this whole idea that we think it's humility to talk down on ourselves, this is not the message today, but it's a powerful point, is that, when we think it's humility to kind of downplay our intellect, downplay our gifts, downplay our magnificence, really, the way that God has created us, David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know what David was saying? David was looking at God, and he was realizing how God made him, and he said, I'm awesome. I'm awesome. That's what he was saying. I'm so awesome. But... But not in a way that it's prideful or crap. He's like, God, he's looking at God. He's saying, 
God, look how you made me. You knit me together in my mother's room. I'm awesome. Well, of course you are. God made you. God only does awesome. And, um, and so uh, you go, well, I don't feel awesome every day. Well, everybody's had those days. But, um, but we're going to get into that today. We've got a remedy for that. And, um, and so uh, <clears throat> here's one of my favorite uh, books to quote. Um, it's called uh, it's called Destined for the Throne, Paul E. Billheimer. It's, okay, I'm going to warn you about this one. Okay, don't read it till you're ready. I'm just kidding. You're ready. You're ready. You're ready. But um, you're ready. I'm trying to wet your whistle. But um, but this this is just the introduction, and it says this. It says for the following chapters present. Um, what some consider a totally new and unique uh, cosmology, fun word, says the author's primary thesis is that the one purpose of the universe from all, cre- uh, from all eternity is the production and preparation of an eternal companion for the Son, Jesus, called the Bride, the Lamb's Wife. Since she is to share the throne of the universe with her divine lover and Lord as a judicial equal, she must be trained, educated, and prepared for her queenly role. That's what this life's about. That's powerful. Oh. This is, oh, you want to just hear a little bit more of how awesome you are? It says, um, through the new birth and redeemed, uh, a redeemed human being, okay, someone who's been born again by faith in Christ, a redeemed human being becomes a bona fide member of the original cosmic family, next of kin to the Trinity, God. I know. It sounds a little edgy almost, doesn't it? But it was so edgy when Jesus was walking around to the Pharisees going, God's my dad. God's my dad. What? Kill that guy. That's what they did. But he, he was speaking the truth. Thus God has exalted, redeemed humanity to such a sublime height that it is impossible for him to elevate them further without breaching the Godhead. It's amazing. You know what a type of this is? Is Joseph and Pharaoh. Pharaoh elevated Joseph to such a degree in his kingdom that he's like, you are basically like Pharaoh to all the people in this kingdom. But there's just one difference between you and me. I'm the Pharaoh and you're not. Right? You're the boss of everything, and I'm the boss of you. And that is never going to change. And that is the truth. This is how it is with God. He has elevated us to such a degree that we are destined to share His throne with Him. To be, and as a matter of fact, it says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places even now. And the difference is, He's God and I'm not. And that's it. He's always going to get the worship. 
He's always going to get the glory. And he is always the focal point of all of heaven and earth and the entire universe. Amen. So that's a little taster for you. It's called Destined for the Throne. It was written in the 70s, as you can see by the cover. It just screams 70s. I was born in 75. Amy and I were. And I love the 70s. So, um, we are his workmanship, creating Christ to do good works, which he has prepared in advance. Last week, if you were here and if you weren't, get up on the podcast and, and catch the message from last week. I don't think it's uploaded quite yet, but it will be there. We talked about the woman at the well. Just a little recap because we're taking off. We're building on that this week. We talked about the woman, the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan woman. Um, we gave some context for the Samaritan people. And then we talked about how she encountered Christ. But then, and then how Christ, in that moment, after ministering to her, he, he, gave, he told her about her life, just a few details. She felt like she, he saw everything about her, which he did. The Bible says that Christ didn't need anyone to tell him about a person because he knew what was in a person. He knew what was in a person. And, um, but, uh, so she ran and told everybody, and they came, and a whole bunch of people believed. And, um, and then we, we talked about how there, one of the points we made that we kind of the main point really is this. The main point was this, is that they said, eat something, Rabbi. And he said, it is my food to do the will of my father. And, and, so, and so what Jesus was saying was like Job said, I have required your word more than my necessary food, that, that his, the fulfillment that Jesus experienced from walking out the mission that the father had given him was so fulfilling because it was what he was sent to do, that there was a grace on him to do what he was sent to do. And that grace was so rich that even though, because remember, he sat down at the well and, he, and the, the, the context emphasizes that he was so tired. It emphasizes that he was so tired from his journey. So he was tired, but full and satisfied. So full and satisfied, he forgot to eat. He said, I have food. It's this. And, and, then, and, and then he says at the end, lift your eyes, look at the harvest. And in the midst of it, there's a harvest taking place. So what Jesus is teaching them, he's actually displaying in the moment. They're in the middle of a harvest. It's so powerful. And so the point is this, is that Jesus experienced the fulfillment because he was doing what he was sent to do. He was being himself. He knew who he was in relation to the Father. And if you don't know who you are in relation to the Father, then you don't know who you are. Because, you know, you can stand around and look, poema, this idea of masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10 here. You can stand around and look at a, any masterpiece, a, a piece of art, okay? Or you ever listen to song lyrics and go, what does this song mean? Most worship songs we get, but songs in the world, you're like, man, there's something Something's being expressed there. What is the story behind this song? And you can guess and you can kind of figure it out. But the reality is, until you talk to the songwriter, you don't know the story behind that song. Because the creator expressed it. And you are an expression of the creator. This is good news. You have a purpose. 
Oh, come on. It's so good. Listen, and I'm going to reference this uh, verse just in case we don't get back to it, but I'm pretty sure we will. I'm going to read this to you. First Peter two, nine. It says, but you are a chosen race. Man, you're chosen. God picks you. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. You were born to be possessed by God. You are rightfully his. He made you and then he shed his blood for you. Boy, that reality rocked me when I was surrendered to Christ. I said, man, God, not only did you create me, but you shed your blood to buy me back. Man, I owe you everything. And that's when life gets clear. And, um, and so you're a, ro- a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that, right, these verses go together so well. Here's part of your purpose. This is your purpose. So that, this is why you were possessed, chosen, you're a royal priesthood and a holy nation, so that you can proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peace comes when you surrender to God's design. When you don't have peace in your life, there's somewhere that I, whenever, when when my peace is disturbed, right? If you're away from God, you don't know his peace. When you're born again, peace is your inheritance. It's the fruit of the spirit of God that lives inside of you. When you lose your peace, it's generally because there's some area where God is working out a surrender in my soul. And when I find out what the, his design is for that area, and I surrender, oh, now I've heard you, peace comes rushing in. Okay, I give up my way. I say yes to your way. Now I'm back to the royal priesthood. It's so good. Amen. Amen. And... um it's just die yourself, and then you're happy. All right. <laughs> it is simple. <laughs> but, uh, yes. So we are his. Let's break this down. We are his workmanship. We are his. Number one, we are his. Can we say that together? We are his. Okay, we're his. We belong to him. We're his possession. We are his masterpiece. His workmanship. The Lord said to me, you ever try to work on yourself, make yourself better? Anyone done that? Or just me? I could tell you about what it's like if you've never done it. It's super frustrating. And, uh, and you know, I'm going to make myself better. I'm going to make myself holy. I'm going to make myself whatever, you know. And, um, and the Lord said to me one time, he said, in this context, you're my workmanship. He said, hey, what work does work do? You're the work. We try to do the work. You're the work. What, what work does a pot do on a wheel? Try your best now, Clay. Become a good pot for us all. Good luck. That not, it kind of reveals how frustrating it is when you're trying to form yourself. <laughs> But when you surrender to the hands of the creator and um, and so we are created. OK, so we're his work. We're his. We're his masterpiece. And we're his masterpiece that is created 
in Christ as a new creation through the new birth for a purpose. That he has works for you laid out in your life that you, that he has prepared for you to walk in. Listen, if you don't have a plan for your life, he's got one. That's the good news. If if you're not connected to your purpose, God is not confused about your purpose. Because way before time began, he dreamt about you. You were in the heart of God. And he called you by name, and he knew of a day when you would be born. And he had already dreamt about your life. And yes, we have free will, and yes, we get... We get to interact with God, but there's also this very real reality that God actually has a purpose for me to fulfill in my life. That's why Paul said, I've run my race. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he understood his race. He said, I'm in a race. I know what my race is. I know what it looks like to win. I know what God has called me to do. And he was so clear about it that at the end of his life, He was able to say with confidence, I have run my race. And now there's laid up for me a crown of life. Can you imagine? Just think about the satisfaction of a person at the end of their days. Going, that confidence. This is available to us. That we can be old and sitting in a rocking chair on the porch like Charles Finney in his 80s. He said he sat out on his porch in his rocking chair, and he he never did this. But he said, I just don't feel up to going tonight to this church that he had started there at the end of his life. And and so much fruit came from his life. But he sat in his rocking chair, and his church was just a little distance from his house. And he sat there in his rocking chair, rocking, and he could hear the praise and the worship of the saints as he sat there. And it was in that place that he just passed on to eternity. I'm like, I'll take that. (laughs) Think about that. Just basking in in the fruit that God had had borne through him. Passed on. He ran his race. He lived his purpose. Your purpose is unique. You don't have to look like Charles Finney. But whatever it is. Your purpose, your identity. Now, purpose is important because it imparts important things to your life. It imparts value. You already have value, but in God, your value is revealed. See, the issue when we feel down on ourselves is because we don't know our value. It's not because we need to gain value. It's because we need to hear from the one who created us. And that also comes through the community of believers. God speaks to us through the community. That's why the gathering of believers is so. It's one of the reasons that gathering is so important. But it imparts value. And it imparts vision for your life. So you can look into the future of your life. And, and what vision supplies for you is perseverance so that you can run your race so that you can live your life 
so that you don't just live in survival mode, but that you understand I have a purpose to fulfill. And purpose is what causes you to press on in the days when you don't feel like pressing on. But when you don't know who or what, you know, it's like, why? Let's drown these feelings in something. That's what a lot of people do. Because it's difficult to deal. Because you are actually not designed to experience the feelings of purposelessness. When God made you, He never imagined that you wouldn't know your identity. He never, He didn't design you. Think about it. You were designed to live in a garden of God where you had fellowship unbroken. This is what you're designed for. This is what you're created for to, to be, to live in unbroken fellowship with God. That's why I feel so bad when you're not. Cause you're like, how bad does a fish feel laying on the bank with its gills just gasping for air? Fish out of water. Without vision, people cast off restraint. So when you lose your when you lose your sense of mission in life, you that's it's a dangerous place to be because it, it's it's a scary place to be because that's when people are tempted to start saying, "What am I making these sacrifices for anyway? Why am I staying committed to this anyway? Whoa, why? You know, why don't we just eat and drink for tomorrow we die? You know, like you see what happens? It says and the Bible says without vision." people perish or they cast off restraint you begin to live they begin to live a wild life unsubmitted to god because why when they lose but when you but when you come back and you and you gaze into the face of your creator and you and you hear the voice of your father saying i love you i created you i dreamt about you i don't have another one like you if you don't run your race no one's going to run your race I've called you to run your race. If you don't play your song, no one's going to play your song. And your song, I love your song. I want to hear your song. This is the heart of God. So vision takes us from survival mode to the life of an overcomer. And there are rewards for overcomers. Yeah, you get to you get to sit on the throne. Okay, so um, you do. That's what we're destined for. So when we're possessed by promise and motivated by mission, we will run like conquerors. When oh, when we're possessed by promise and motivated by mission, then we will run. We will run, not get weary, walk and not faint. Right. Like, because then our strength comes from a source. And the source is the one who has commissioned us. If you sent me to do it. When God says, this is what I've called you to do. The minute you heard that, grace was imparted for you. He goes, and you can't do it without me. So when I said, do it, along came a package of ability. I'm not qualified. The minute I said, I've called you to do this. You got qualified. 
That's what qualifies you. It's not your degree. That's a good thing. Degrees are good. All right. Perseverance. When when we see when you see yourself for who you are from his perspective, oh, here's something that'll happen. This is, this is awesome. When you see yourself the way God sees you, the way God has created you, man, you know what happens? You see yourself from his perspective. You realize he loves you and something else starts to happen. I love me too. You start to love yourself. And that's good because we got to love our neighbor as ourself. You know? You ever notice when you're feeling really cruddy about yourself? It's a little hard to spread the love. It's just a little more difficult. But when when your tank is full and you're just overflowing, you're like, I love the world. I love everybody. You know, you're like, here's some flowers. You know, you're like. (sighs) So we got to stay filled, stay refreshed. The destiny, a purpose unfulfilled comes from an identity that's unrealized. You know, if I don't fulfill my purpose, it's because I didn't get a full revelation of who he said that I am. And so that's good news, because the remedy is not try harder. The remedy is hear him. The remedy is know where to go and where to look. Like God, you know how Trinity County is going to is 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 being reached through people who shine like bright light. How are you going to do it, Pastor? No, 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 no. God is doing it, and He's doing it not through a person, but through a body. Do you understand that? Like, like every individual, every one of you, fulfilling your race in the way that He's called you, in the realms and the spheres of influence that you. Everybody here has a circle of people around them in their life that's, that, that differs. Now, some of those circles, like, they all kind of overlap a little here and there. And some circles are like almost. And then some are like this. Like, man, I got this circle of people and you've got this circle of people and Dave's got this circle of people here. And you see, and so the influence, the light is going everywhere. It isn't, it's not really your flow chart that is going to, you know what I'm saying? It's not a flow chart that is going to transform the county. It's, it's the kingdom of God coming through masterpieces created by God who know their purpose, who know their love, who know their identity, and who have said yes, and who have said, I'm not going to live my own life. I'm not going to do it my own way. Have you ever noticed that the more you work on your own, like, the more you focus on your own happiness, why? Well, I'm just going to... Now, there's a difference between meeting your needs, right? That's called being a healthy person, right? I mean, it's like, you know, I'm feeling really cruddy today. Have you eaten anything? Have you drank any water at all? It's four o'clock. I forgot. I got too busy. Well, 
See, that's different. That's that's like that's called loving yourself. Right. But when you start thinking about making yourself, well, I'm just I like to do it this way. And I'm di- you know, I'm different. I'm different than anybody else. And you kind of get into this isolated like, you know, and then you're like, I'm depressed and miserable. And why? Why, God? And the Lord's like, well, you're doing it your way. It, it ends up being a bummer. And 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 then and then when you and then when you come back and you go, oh, that's right. Royal priesthood. OK, we're going to get into that verse here. So God is bringing us, if you understand how wonderfully you're made. Then there's a transition that's taking place in your thinking. That you realize that he, he has a desire to take us from servants to friends. Friends have insight. Friends have influence. Friends partner with God. Partner with God in his work. But, you know, children, you know, I've got some adult kids, right? And, um, you know, as your kids get older and your relationship, you know, matures, what can happen is, like my son and I just sat at Evergreen Coffee um, this week for for about an hour or so together and just spent some time together. And, and, And what happens is, we become like there's a friendship between us. But first, I'm dad. I'm always going to be dad before I'm friend. Does that make sense? And when, when the dad parts worked out really, really well, that's when the friendship blooms. It's the same way with Jesus. Notice that with his disciples, I, it's a little bit of a, but I'm, it's connected here, that that. When we understand our design, that Jesus, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. That means he was calling them servants for a while. And since they got the obedience worked out, he goes, okay. Because when you're raising kids, the first level is obedience. When they're little, it's like, I'm teaching you to do what I say. Why? You're not old enough to know why yet but i'm teaching you and you do explain along the way what they can handle and you explain beyond their understanding a little bit because you're you're growing them up explain something okay it's amazing what they understand but that friendship blooms all right so children become friends But in your design, and this is key, this is key. We're gonna we're gonna start to we're gonna start to close with this right now. This verse here in Peter, okay? Right, you're his workmanship created in Christ. That's Ephesians two ten to do the works that he's prepared in advance. What is that? Well, he chose you. You're his work. He chose you. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim every believer, every single believer, has 
in, you have it within your DNA that you are the royal priesthood of God. The priesthood of every believer is key to the body of Christ living out, you and me, living out our purpose that we're destined for. And it's my priesthood that qualifies me for kingship. Because it's a royal priesthood. What does that mean? Well, what do priests do? If you want to understand your identity, because huh, I love verses like this, but you're like, but how? Okay, that's a good word. Well, you know what? If you walked out of here today, you know what would happen? That word is going to germinate. The Holy Spirit's going to breathe on it. And revelation is going to boom. And it's going to shape you. But I, I also like to, when I can, get down into like, how does it work? It works like this. That what does it mean to be a priest? It's very simple. Priests minister to God. Every believer, if you want to understand who you are as a masterpiece, this is the starting point. That I exist to serve you. And when I stand before you, and I minister to you in my life, and I look to you as a priest, suddenly I, begin, I become aware, little by little, of my royal identity. And so before you, I'm a priest. And then when I go out into the world, I can walk like a king among those who are lost. Because I have the answer. Well, that's prideful. Oh no, it's obedience. It's actually very humble. You gotta land this. This is the part where it gets a little thick and uh, in closing. But I, I want to show you this idea of creation, masterpiece, okay? In, to understand how God has made you, I'm, I'm sorry, this is unfair. But I'm going to just dump this on you and then we're going to close. Maybe we'll unpack it later. It's really good, though. You've got to see this. You've got to understand that you and I are created. Genesis 2-7, it says that God formed Adam out of the dust of the earth. If you look into that word, it's... He's the potter. What's dust? It's clay. It's very literal. This theme through scripture. You're the potter. I'm the clay. Literally, you're made from dirt. You're literally clay. Your body. And when you pass on, it goes back into the dirt. Eventually, you become dirt again. Not you, but your body. So he forms him out of the dust like a potter and clay, and he breathes, Ruah, he breathes the breath of life into Adam. Now, this is what I want you to see. When Adam is there, I just imagine like Adam laying on the ground, you know, God just formed him. And Adam goes, who does he see? Who, what is Adam first aware of? Before he's even aware of himself, he's aware of his God. Self 
You ever, you know the word, feeling a little self-conscious? You ever notice that's never like a really great thing? But self-life is self-conscious. That's where we get into, I don't know who I am, that's I'm insecure. When you, when you try to make yourself who you are. But when you realize, this, so the, think about this. Adam was created, formed, breath of life, created. And he was innocent and aware of God. And only aware of himself in relation to the one who created him. Think about how free of a life this would be. Not what anybody, there was no one to think anything else of him but God. No one was around. But God, this is, this is, this is where God has called you and I to live. That I, he's not even aware of himself except for in relation to God. Any part of my life or my identity that isn't coming from that place is suffering an identity crisis. And the eradication of insecurity in your life comes from looking into the face of the one who breathed into you. And he says, let me tell you about that part of your life and who you are. And he speaks to you. And now I know myself in that area in relation to the one who designed me. And that is the only way I can actually know and understand myself. Because he made me. He's the one who knows me. Better than you, better than me. So I'm getting to know myself as I get to know him. So then, so then what happens later? Well, Adam was meant, this is, Oswald Chambers says it this way. Uh, he said that Adam was not created holy. He was created innocent. And he, was, and, and he was destined to transform his innocence into holiness by choosing God over and over in all the decisions of his life. Because holiness is in connection with God. That's what holiness is. It's powerful, isn't it? Wow. Wow. This is where it starts feeling like it should have been another message. But, but we'll unpack it more. And there's more to that. Okay. So, th- so we're going to abbreviate. So that part, we know what happens. Adam makes some other choices. He's, he falls out of holiness. Has, has some fruit. The wrong fruit. There was lots of good fruit to eat. Eat the wrong fruit. It wasn't about the fruit. It was about that he had this opportunity to choose a connection to God, which equates to holiness. And he fell for a lie. That there was something outside of God that was valuable. Absolute sham. So what does God do? His remedy? Again, he comes and he starts again with the last Adam. This time he comes and he hovers over the clay. And he overshadows Mary. And he breathes. Because that's what it says. It says, what is in you is conceived of the Holy Spirit. It's the breath of God. And he creates again. And then so then Adam stands before or then so Jesus, the last Adam, he stands again before his disciples, before he ascends 
as he's resurrected, he breathes on them after his resurrection. And he goes, it's the same breath from Genesis. Receive the Holy Spirit. Recreated. That's what it means to be born again. And, and when you're born again, you are free from any other definition of yourself except for the one that your Creator has for you and me. I know it's, it's rich. So, Father, I pray this morning, every area, any area of our life, that we are understanding or misunderstanding because we're thinking about ourselves in, in relation to something else. Maybe you're thinking about yourself in relation to what you've accomplished or what you haven't accomplished. Maybe you're thinking about yourself in relation to what you see as relational failure some mistakes in your life. Or or like, I mean, I tell you, the way Reuben closed worship today couldn't be more right on with, with what the Lord has. It's cool how the Lord, we don't talk about this stuff. It's just cool how the Lord orchestrates it. And and um, that's maybe, maybe, maybe there's that, what measuring stick is it that you're not measuring up to? You, you never will. <laughs> the measuring stick, you never measure up. You know, like, because the enemy's always going to try to hand you one that you don't measure up to. It's fixed. It's rigged. And and uh, and but but God is saying, "I'm the one forming you. I have created you." And it is it's the people of God living out the identity, the true identity of who you actually are, filled with the Spirit. And proclaiming his praises, unashamed of the gospel, excited because the light of life is inside of you. That sounds like revival. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you so much uh, for coming today. And just thank you for your hungry hearts. I can just sense so much hunger in the room. Thank you for your hungry hearts. I want to give a call here. Two calls. If you don't, if you've not been born again, if you don't know Christ, you can know Him. If you don't know Christ, you can know Him because he, He's calling us all. And and uh, and this experience of being born again, if you don't know that experience, please come forward today, and 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 uh, connect with someone up here. Come talk to. Uh, Anybody up here. And, um, and we'll introduce you to Jesus. Your life will never be the same again. You get a new life. It's so cool. You get forgiven of everything you've ever done. Yeah, clean slate, new life. He loves you. Come to Jesus. And, and, uh, and the second one is this. I really felt this this morning, and, and prayer ministry team, um, I know you're going to hear this, that, that we want to minister to you if you just want a refreshing today. You want to be filled with the Spirit, and you need a spiritual refreshing. 
then I really feel a grace. God is here to refresh you this morning, so please come forward, get prayer, and let the Holy Spirit come and just love on you and touch you in your heart. And, um, and whether it's comfort, whether it's strength, whatever it is, just let him fill you up. Okay? And, and so, God, thank you. I thank you that you just, I just see the Lord covering over his word now with the soil of your heart and just watering it. And I thank you, God, that it's all mixed with faith and it's springing up with revelation as we go out of here today. Mold us and shape us by your word. Speak to us, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.